find Luke, please. If you mark and Luke, the first chapter. While you're finding that, there are a couple of things I want to mention. One is um, our Christmas Eve services at uh, three in the Life Center, at uh, five in here on Christmas Eve. And then uh, in the park, in Big Spring Park, for the third year in a row, we are partnering with our sister church, First Missionary Baptist. We're going to do uh, several brief Christmas Eve services. Beginning at six, we'll go all the way to eight. Every 20 minutes, about a 12-minute um, Christmas Eve service. And um, so if you find yourself at the trail or just want to be outside last week, last year, it was about four degrees. And uh, I'm, I'm praying for 70 this year. I'm not sure. The Lord cares what the, I hope the temperature is on Christmas Eve. But anyway, whatever, uh, if, you're, if you're available on Christmas Eve at 3, 5, or between 6 and 8, we'd love to have you. The second thing is about missions, about international missions. For two years, right out of college, I was a journeyman, a missionary journeyman in Venezuela, and everything from my stipend to my travel, I depended on people like us here back home. And then Carrie and I and our family were missionaries in Nigeria for a little over a term, for a little over four years. Your house, our car, our travel, everything. We depended on, on people like us back home holding the ropes. At Christmas time, Baptists have always focused our attention on international missions. I hope you'll consider giving to the Global Missions Offering of Cooperative Baptist Fellowship or the Light Moon Christmas Offering of the International Mission Board. So that would be a wonderful, to wonderful way to celebrate Christmas, I think, by remembering uh, international missions. So look, chapter 1, we're going to begin at verse 26. Mary was greatly, well, that's 29, sorry, but let's start at 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, the descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Twenty years ago, our family was at the beach and uh, went to a theme park, an amusement park called The Track in Gulf Shores. It's still there. Carrie and I drove by it a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I looked. I didn't see it. I don't know if it's still there, but 20 years ago, they had a, a bungee jump. You know what a bungee jump is? It's where uh, people walk up on a perfectly good platform, and there's a guy there that looks like he'd rather be surfing. They always look like they'd rather be surfing, and they, they put a harness on you and a glorified rubber band on you, and uh, seemingly intelligent people jump off a perfectly good platform just for the, just for the fun of it. Well, we were there at uh, the track. Again, this was 20 years ago. Our kids were like this. And so we sat. They, have a, they had um, bleachers at the bottom of the bungee jump, so we went there and sat to watch these people throw themselves meaninglessly off of this, uh, off this platform. We watched a, a dad and teenage son who climbed the stairs. Uh, the guy top put them in a harness. Uh, there, were, uh, there was a lady and a teenage girl sitting next to her. We figured out that was the wife of the man, the sister of the young man. And um, so uh, the dad, the dad uh, walked out to the edge of the platform first. His wife uh, yelled, jump, honey, which made me question their relationship, quite frankly. She said, jump, honey, and, um, and he looked things over and um, took a deep breath, and he jumped, and he jumped. He bounced like a yo-yo for a little bit, and then they, they lowered him gently to the ground, pulled the rubber band back up, and put it on the son, whom we learned uh, is named Adam. So Adam walked uh, gingerly toward the edge, and his sister, not surprisingly, said, Jump, Adam! Uh, jump! But Adam didn't jump. Adam walked right up there and looked down. And I have a picture that someone took from that platform looking down at the track. And, and, um, and his dad yelled at me, Jump, Adam! I jump! I jump! Adam didn't jump. He stood there for, for the longest time. And then Adam turned around and, um, and took off his harness and went back down the steps. He had come to the verge, the edge, the edge of something that he really wanted to do and just couldn't because he was afraid. Throughout history, people have walked up to the edge of things they really wanted to do, even really good things, more important than bungee jumping, really important, significant things, events, decisions that have changed history. Some have walked up there, they're all afraid. Everybody who's ever made a big decision was afraid. But they've jumped. There have been others who walk up to the edge of a decision, a really good thing, a significant thing, but just couldn't, just couldn't, because they were afraid. Mary, 
Mary, Mary was Mary was afraid. afraid. Greetings, the angel said to, to her. And then the angel quickly said, uh, uh, fear not. And the Christmas angels always show us, scare the pajamas off people and then say, oh, fear not. And so the angel said, fear not. You are highly favored among women. And you're going to, you're going to you've been selected, selected to bear God's son. Mary said, I, I know I'm just a teenager. There's some things I still don't understand, but I don't think it works out like this. Don't worry, the angel said. God is going to perform a miracle in you, and, and nothing is impossible with God. And that was enough for Mary. She said, I'm in. I'm in. And at that, when she decided to jump, if you will, she just had to tell somebody. She just had to tell somebody. And just like when we were, years ago, we were, we were preparing maybe to move to Richmond. We were talking with the search committee there. And it was moving along, and so we called Landon and Brennan, our oldest son, and our daughter, and we said, hey, look, we want you to have a heads up. We might, we don't know, but we might be moving. We just wanted them to know. But Grant, our youngest, was a blabbermouth. He couldn't keep a secret, and so we didn't tell him until it was right behind. We had already decided, you know, we're going up for what the you know, Baptist called the call weekend and all that. And so we said, Grant, you need to know that we're going, but this is a big secret, and you can't tell anybody. You understand? You can't tell anybody. Well, his uh, school teacher was the wife of our youth minister at that church. So that morning, he went into the class, and the first thing she told us later, and said, he walked up there and said, I've got big news I can't tell you, but it's big. It's really big. Mary went to Elizabeth. It was four days' walk. That's where Elizabeth lived. Mary went to tell Elizabeth. She'd been selected to bear the very son of God. She stayed there three months, the Bible said, and then went back to Nazareth, walked four more days back to Nazareth. And can you imagine what the conversation was like with Joseph when she got back to Nazareth? Joseph, we need to talk. We need to talk. Yes, he said, I think that's a good idea. When he looked down at her baby up, I think we need to talk. But then he put her at ease. He said, don't worry. An angel has come to me and has explained all that's going on. And every little thing is going to be all right. We have enjoyed having kids participate in the living history. And, um, of course, who's selected for what role is always a big, big deal. And um, we were doing a, a, a program years ago in another church. The kids were doing a program, a Christmas pageant. And uh, they would do it live, of course, but they decided that they wanted to depict the journey of Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. And by doing that, they went out to a farm. We went to a farm. They had horses. They didn't have donkeys, but horses were close enough. The horses had several horses out in Chesterfield County. So they went to the horse farm with the video camera, and they put Mary, uh, who was uh, Eliana Bowman, put Eliana up on the horse. Of course, in full costume. And Joseph was walking beside the horse. And uh, Michael Horter, Michael Horter the, the owner of the farm, the owner of the horses, had the reins of the horse, and they walked them along as the video camera followed them. Well, remember, Mary was in full uh, costume, including a horse with a big headdress. A big puff of wind uh, came along, a lot of wind, and the headdress began to fly, which spooked the horse. And the horse bolted and yanked the reins out of Michael Horter's hands. Poor little Eliana was holding on for dear life. Until about 50 years later, as they explained to me, the horse uh, turned, and Eliana didn't see him flying off. And uh, let's just say the horse had been there before. It was not a pretty uh, scene. So Eliana fell and knocked the breath out of her. They all came running up, worried about Mary. And um, she was sore for a few days, but she was all right. She said later, I just said later to the kids in the play, it's not easy being Mary. It's harder, she said, than I thought. It's not easy being Mary. Granted, the, the angel had said, you're highly favored. And Elizabeth had said, uh, you're, you, you are um, you're honored among women. And she would go down, Mary would go down as, as one of the most admired people in all of history. It wasn't easy being Mary. Her pregnancy was scandalous. Joseph, you know. He knew what was taboo, and this was taboo, and so he, he was not going to marry her, but he was too honorable to embarrass her, so he, the Bible says he, he plans to break off the engagement quietly, so as not to, so not to make her a public disgrace. Her very pregnancy, which is supposed to be a time of celebration, was scandalous, and then the delivery was, was difficult. 
giving birth to a child in a place that was not fit for, fit for birth and babies. With no doctor present, no mother present, a passerby would have heard the screams of this soon-to-be mother who was initiated into the sisterhood of motherhood in a painful kind of way that others always had been and had since been. Her pregnancy was scandalous. Her delivery was, was difficult. It was difficult. And then there were the, the wise men who came right last year when they got there. They brought gifts, of course. Gold, she must have thought, this is a great gift for my son. You'll be a king. And, and, and frankincense and incense. And she said, this is perfect for my son. You'll be a priest. But then came that odd gift of her, which, as you may have heard, is an embalming fluid. So she must have wondered, why would they bring my baby boy an embalming fluid? The first sign that his life would be hard and be thus Mary's life would be hard. Elizabeth Stone wrote, making the decision to have a child is momentous. It is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body. Mary's heart went walking around outside her body for about 33 years. She listened to the criticisms. People were criticizing Jesus, demonizing Jesus, even plotting to kill him. That hurt her in ways that it doesn't even hurt us. It's hard to hear your kids criticize this it's hard for moms, it's hard for dads too. I remember there are two sons used to umpire when they were teenagers, umpire the league football game just earn a little extra. And I go sometimes and just sit in the stands and uh, listen. And sometimes I'd want to say, that's my boy you're talking about. Gary sometimes comes to watch football games. Never has she ever said, that's my husband out there that you're uh, talking about. But don't you know that Gary, Gary, Mary, that Mary thought, how can you say those things? That's my, that's my boy, that's my boy. Even Mary had her doubts for a time, and it's strange he did it, recorded in Mark 3, which says that Jesus had gathered at someone's house for dinner, and Mary and his half-brother showed up. And they said of Jesus, he's out of his mind. That's a really odd moment. We don't know exactly what was going on, so maybe Mary, maybe the skeptics had gotten to Mary, maybe she had decided that she'd been wrong about Jesus, or maybe, maybe she was just trying, to, thinking he'd gone too far and trying to stop him. For whatever reason, there was that odd, and what had to be a painful moment for mother and son, and she said he's out of his mind. But she got over that and went on, and then came that Friday, of course. When she followed him, he followed through the, the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering. Walked behind, uh, freshly, his freshly scattered blood on the cobblestones of old Jerusalem. Through the streets, out the gate, to the place called Golgotha, or Calvary, where she watched them uh, nail her, her boy to a cross. She watched them thrust the spear into his side. She watched him as her son forgave his murderers. She watched as her son looked at John and said, Take care of her, Mary, as if she were your own mother. And then she watched slowly the blood and the life flowed from his body until that moment when he lifted his eyes to heaven and he declared into my hands I commit my spirit and hung his head and died and died. It wasn't easy being Mary. When God invited Mary to bear his son, he was inviting her into hardship. And that is usually the way it works. Nothing of great value in history ever has come without cost. And Mary's response it's a marvelous model when the angel invited her into this adventure. She said, as the bystander version puts it, let it be with me according to his word, to your word. Whatever God says, I'm in. Throughout history, the mission of God has been born on the backs of people who said that very thing. Let it be with me according to his word. If God wants it, I'm in. Whatever he says, I'm in. And history has changed in big ways and in small ways when people have said let it be with me according to his word. And people have walked up to the edge of a big decision, knowing it is right, and have, have jumped. Have you ever been to Clanton, Alabama? 
know, if you're a part of our student ministry, you've been there because we always stop and clap at you know, where we stop. Peach Park, exactly. For the ice cream and ice pie and all that. Sometimes when Carrie and I are driving down there, she wants to stop. So I pull over and we go to Peach Park for Carrie to get her some ice cream pie. But in 1936, 85 years ago, there's a big Christian gathering there. It was a Sunday school convention. And uh, the music leader at the Sunday school convention, this big gathering, is Clinton. That was B.B. McKinney, a prolific hymn writer, Baptist hymn writer. We sang lots of his hymns. The inspirational speaker at this big meeting in Clinton was R.S. Jones, a missionary who had been forced to come home from the mission field because of his health. Again, against his, against his desires, against his plans, he'd been forced to come home. Well, in a casual conversation, during the day, uh, during the meetings, B.B. McKinney asked R.S. Jones, what are your plans? Of course, he'd been forced to come home. What are your plans? And R.S. Jones said casually, I'm not sure, but wherever he leads, I will go. And B.B. McKinney was so moved, so struck by that phrase, that before that night, he wrote a hymn and sang the hymn that night. And it's become the soundtrack for countless life-changing decisions. Wherever he leads, I will go. My heart, my life, my all I'll bring to Christ who loves me so. He is my master, Lord and King. Wherever he leads, I will go. Wherever he leads, I will go. Wherever he leads, I will go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I will go. And that is what Mary said. Let it be with me according to his word. She was invited. She was hardship, but she walked up to the edge and jumped. By the way, let me finish that story of Adam. Remember Adam from a few moments ago? So Adam walked up to the edge. We're sitting on the bleachers below, and he walked up to the edge. And uh, his little sister said, jump, Adam! And Adam just couldn't. And so he turned around and had the harness off, and he went down the stairs. Down the stairs. And so uh, since the show was over, Brennan, our daughter, and I went over to ride over the go carts, which was not far from there. And uh, we were in line. The line was long. It was winding around. And uh, while we were there, I looked over, uh, and I, I just happened to see Adam's family. Uh, they had gotten together, and it looked like they were celebrating. So I... I was just too curious. So I told Brennan, I'll be right back. And I went over there to that family, and to that, I looked at that young man. Of course, I didn't know him from Adam. Right, exactly. But I, I, said, I said, did you jump? Did you jump? And he looked up and he grinned really big. He said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I did. He'd been there before, and he had not jumped. He walked away. But this time, and I guarantee you, he was still afraid. But he walked up right up to the edge, and he jumped. Maybe you've been here before. You've been here before. On the verge of a really big, important decision. I'm not talking about bungee jumping. It may be a vocational decision. It might be a decision to be part of our church. It might be a decision to follow Jesus. You're here. You've been here before. Don't walk away. A few years ago, I told you another story about jumping. About a girl who was up on a high dive, going badly to jump into the swimming pool. But like Adam, she just couldn't bring herself to do it. And her friend, Walt Kalistan, taught a story. The little girl's friend was in the pool for love. And he held up to her. He held up to her. If you can't jump brave, jump scared. Jeff Gaddis heard me tell that and made this for us, which hangs on the wall in our den as a reminder to me. If you can't jump brave, jump scared. And if you're here again on the verge of a big decision, and you're scared, you're scared. We all understand that. We've all been there. But please don't walk away. Don't walk away. If you can't jump brave, jump scared. 124 is the hymn we're going to sing to give you an opportunity to jump.